You're listening to the Dean's Dissertation, the Cleveland Sports Review and beyond with your host, Greg Brinda. Hi, everybody. Greg Brenda back again for another edition of the Dean's Dissertation as we um, venture into the month of April. I love April. You know what April means? Baseball, the start of baseball. That's right. It's the start of the NBA postseason. In just a few days, the Cavaliers and 15 other teams will be getting ready for, as I call it, April, May, and hopefully June madness for uh, the Cavaliers. It's the NFL draft, and for Browns fans, it's like the Super Bowl, which is unfortunate. Maybe this will be the last year where we start talking about the draft in late fall because the Browns are sucking so bad, and we have to talk about next year's prospects, which truly is boring and annoying, and the most amazing thing is we are still a ways away from the NFL draft. By the way, as we get closer to the NFL draft, we'll be reviewing the Browns' best and worst draft picks of all time. And boy, I'll tell you, when you start putting that list together, especially of the worst draft picks, it is not very pretty, to say the least. And of course, April means spring, warm weather. Although here in Cleveland, we have been lacking the warm weather It is certainly right around the corner as I cross my finger and look at opening day, which is uh, on April the 6th, and the forecast is 39 degrees and snow. So there you go. Well, that's a Cleveland Indians home opener. We begin our podcast with undoing the bad. That's right. Undoing the bad. Taking away the bad. And when I started thinking about this, I said to myself, well, this must be great for the Cavaliers and great for the Indians and not so great for the Cleveland Browns. Well, as I thought and researched this, um, I came up with a very big surprise. It is very good for the Cavaliers. It is very good for the Cleveland Browns. And unfortunately, it is not very good for our Cleveland Indians. So let's get started. First off, John Dorsey has been working his tail off since the start of free agency. Actually, John Dorsey has been working his tail off. That's the Browns GM, by the way, if you've been living under a rock and you don't know who he is, in trying to figure out how to make the team better, in getting the franchise into a winning culture, which really hasn't been there for the last, well, should we say 30 years? And okay, I'll be more fair about it the last 10 years. Why? Well, the Browns have had 10 straight losing seasons. Do you think that's a good winning culture? No, I don't think that's a good winning culture at all. It's a bad winning culture. So John Dorsey's mission has been, how do I reshape the franchise? How do I reshape the roster and get things done? Well, part of it is by undoing the bad, which has been there, and redoing it. And where do you start? You start with the quarterback position. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole quarterback draft debate, which has been ongoing and ongoing and ongoing to almost silliness right now with the draft combine and the pro days and the individual team workouts and the fans and the media and the front office going back and forth. I tweeted this out a while ago, and I just may repeat this on every podcast going forward until the NFL draft. And just to be clear again, I don't really care 
who you want as the Browns quarterback. I don't really care who I want as the Browns quarterback. The only one that I care about is John Dorsey because he'll be the one making the pick. His opinion and his decision will be the only one that matters, period, end of story. Now, you might have a lot of fun debating this, and on draft day when most of you will be disappointed with the selection because you will be because this town is so divided, I just called that entertainment for me. I'll be laughing all the way, listening to the fans' consternation about who the Browns drafted. Oh, boo-hoo-hoo. Now, what John Dorsey has undone is put the quarterbacks into a different room. He has taken a quarterback who started 15 games last year into Sean Kaiser and removed him, traded him to the Green Bay Packers. He removed another quarterback who has also started a number of games in Cody Kessler, who was drafted a few years ago, and amazingly, and I mean amazingly, found a trading partner in the Jacksonville Jaguars, who gave the Browns a conditional or unconditional seventh round pick in 2019. And also, well, that's it. I I think that's, you know, who knows where that pick will end up. It doesn't matter. Seventh round pick. I'm kind of surprised that the Jacksonville Jaguars would trade anything for Cody Kessler. Well, they did. So, Tyrod Taylor has been added to the mix. The Browns will be drafting another quarterback uh, in the NFL draft. And you also picked up another veteran. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, the Browns have done their the Browns have done their job. They have reshaped the quarterback room. They've taken away no wins. And added Tyrod Taylor and Drew Stanton, who, by the way, is a pretty valuable backup quarterback, not an exceptional player, not a pro ball player, certainly not a Hall of Fame player, might, might, not, even be be- might not even be better than just decent. But already John Dorsey has reworked, undone all the bad at the most valuable position on the Cleveland Browns and that being the quarterback position. So congratulations, John Dorsey. You know, ultimately, we can sit here and applaud him for what he's done so far. And on paper, it looks good. It looks really good. But, you know, only time will tell whether or not these decisions are good. That means, will the Browns win games? Will the direction of the franchise be ultimately changed? And again, we have to figure out, you know, ultimately... Is this guy the right man for the job? And hopefully he is. So time will tell. The draft is still upon us. But right now, as I said, John Dorsey has undid the bad and hopefully put in some good there. Now we get to the Cavaliers. The recent news, remember Isaiah Thomas? It seems like it was so long ago when the Cavaliers traded him on, well, the trading deadline day to the Los Angeles Lakers. It wasn't working in Cleveland. And now we find out that Isaiah Thomas is going to have hip surgery. Well, he injured the hip last year, remember, in the postseason? And it lasted all summer. And the Cavaliers ended up trading Kyrie Irving in that 
multiplayer deal to the Boston Celtics for an injured player. Remember way back when? Well, maybe you don't. I kept saying, hmm. So you get Isaiah Thomas and, and all the fans and all the media was excited going, okay, we've traded Kyrie Irving and we get Isaiah Thomas back in return, a real dynamic player, a guy that can score 30 points a game. Well, I'm not going to rehash what happened when he finally was able to play in the early part of the year. How he wanted the ball, how he wanted to show up Boston, how he felt that uh, Boston let him down by trading his butt away. And, you know, he was ready to show them. The truth of the matter is he wasn't all the way healthy. Maybe he was close. Maybe he wasn't. Maybe he pushed too hard. Anyway, the chemistry wasn't working. And Kobe Altman did the right thing and traded him away. With the Lakers, Isaiah has played pretty decently. Well, that's no surprise. He's a really good player, so he was going to play at least decently, and that's what he did. But what we didn't know was that he was going to re-injure that hip or whatever he did to it, uh, amount to the fact that he would have to have surgery again. Well, he had surgery, and Isaiah Thomas is going to be out four months. Now, imagine had the Cavaliers, had Kobe Altman not traded Isaiah Thomas away and said, okay, let's live with it. Let's see if we can just figure out this chemistry issue. He's a dynamic player. Yeah, there is a great possibility that we're going to lose him at the end of the year because he's an unrestricted free agent and he certainly wants to get paid. I get it. I understand that. That's that's a that's a reality. But I don't think anybody would have ever imagined, seriously, I don't think anybody would have ever imagined that Isaiah Thomas was going to need surgery and be out for four months. Can you imagine what that would have meant to the Cavaliers had he stayed with this team? I can't. I, 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 don't, I don't even want to think about it, to be honest about it. Do you want to think about it? I really, really, really do not want to think about that at all. So now, that's the Lakers' problem. Well, not really. That's more Isaiah Thomas's problem because he wants to get paid. He's an unrestricted free agent. He wants to get a big payday. I think it's going to be hard to convince some NBA teams out there that he's going to be completely healthy or that he will stay healthy. How is he going to convince NBA teams that he's going to stay healthy? And imagine the Cavaliers having not traded him away, not having Larry Nance here with us and Jordan Clarkson and having an injured Isaiah Thomas. Can you imagine what the discussion or what these podcasts would be like today if indeed that happened? And again, as I have said all along, that's Kobe Altman getting rid of the bad and keeping the good. And now we get to the Cleveland Indians. And lo and behold, you would think that everything is fine. Now let me let me let me let me just set the table here. The Cleveland Indians are a very good baseball team. The Cleveland Indians barring an unbelievable turn of events or an unbelievable myriad of injuries are going to win the American League Central. It's hard to believe that that is not going to happen, really. I mean, I mean, does anybody believe that that's not going to happen? Of course it's going to happen. 
But what the Indians have done is not gotten better since the end of last year, which ended on a really, really, really sour note. Yeah. So here's the deal. Michael Brantley is still hurt. He did not start opening day. He did play at the end of the exhibition season. Uh, Hey, uh, I, I think he'll be back. But can anybody say with real fact that Michael Brantley is going to stay healthy, that is going to play more than 90 games like he played last year? The answer is no. The other thing, the, the Indians have lost a vital part of their bullpen. Mark Belisle has been added, who pitched for the Twins down the stretch last year. But is he enough to replace Brian Shaw? Probably not. And I'm telling you, and again, this was debated many, many, many times last year. Oh, we don't need Brian Shaw. Oh, he always gives up a big run in a crucial situation, Greg. Come on. We can do without him. Well, we're going to see if the Cleveland Indians can do without him. Do you think? Well, I think a lot of you say, oh, yeah, Greg, no problem. It's going to happen. Well, we'll see. Well, here's the other thing. Cody Allen is going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. Andrew Miller is going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. Now, let's bear with me here. We're hoping, okay, that Cody Allen and Andrew Miller have great seasons. Because if they have great seasons, guess what? The Indians may go pretty far in the postseason. The Indians may win the World Series. Ultimately, that's the goal, right, is to win the World Series, And that would really be dependent on Cody Allen, what he does best, and that's save ball games. And Andrew Miller, what he does best, and that's setting up Cody Allen. If either one of them falter, well, it could be a rough offseason. Heck, it could be a rough regular season. But let's just say the Indians get to the World Series and don't win it. Okay, it'll be a great year. It'll be a fun year. It'll be disappointing as it was in 2016 when the Indians up three games to one against the Chicago Cubs could not finish the deal. But even worse would be the fact that somebody is going to pay Cody Allen really big money. Somebody is going to pay Andrew Miller really, really, really big money. And it may not be the Cleveland Indians. And can you imagine going into next year, folks? I mean, think about this. Can you imagine going into next year and realizing that the Indians don't have either of those guys? Do you think the Indians would be picked to win the American League Central? Well, again, you would have an offseason. There would be free agency out there. You would have the ability to make a deal to get another reliever or two or three because that's what it would take. But you wouldn't have Cody Allen. And you wouldn't have Andrew Miller. And you know what? The Cleveland Indians need those two guys. The Indians also did not replace Jay Bruce, who added home runs and RBIs down the stretch, who is now back with the New York Mets, a vital cog to, way, to which and, and how well the Indians played, you know, towards the end of last season in August and in September. The Indians have not replaced him. 
What is amazing, what is amazing is that Tyler Naquin made the opening day roster. Who in the world would have ever thought, seriously, that Tyler Naquin would be back playing with the big league team? Well, Abraham Almonte has been finally designated for assignment. And you know what? I don't think there's anybody in the world that's going to miss Abraham Almonte. And because of the injuries to, to injury to Michael Brantley, that left a roster space open. And somehow, and again, give the young man credit, he really did have a decent spring. He made the Indians roster. But the Indians need Michael Brantley. The Indians need Michael Brantley to not only be the all-star that he was last year in his limited role, but to be healthy all year, to play in the postseason, and to get his power back. The one thing that Michael Brantley didn't do last year was hit home runs. And you just wonder if he's ever going to get his power stroke back. So unlike the Browns and the Cavaliers, who undid a lot of the, de- who undid a lot of the bad and made good, That did not quite happen with the Cleveland Indians. And it's amazing as we sit here, the Cleveland Indians, again, are most probably going to win the American League Central. But are they good enough to go all the way? Many of the uh, pundits, as we have seen the predictions prior to the start of the season, do not believe so. A couple publications still think that the Cleveland Indians have the best team in baseball. But some of those publications also think that even though they may have the best team in baseball, they may not win the World Series. Folks, since 1948, we've been waiting for the World Series, and we need that to happen. Speaking of the Indians, Corey Kluber started the opening night against the Seattle Mariners, pitched an eight-inning complete game. Unfortunately, the Indians lost that game by a score of 2-1. to one. But what is even more amazing, he is the um, fourth Indian pitcher in Indians history to pitch four straight opening days. How about that? He joins Stanley Kowaleski, who did it from 1917 to 1921, Bob Feller, who did it from 1946 through 1949, and one of my favorite Indians of all time, Gaylord Perry, who did it from 1972 to 1975. How about that? And he is tied for the fifth most in Cleveland Indians of opening day starts, okay, with Addie Joss, Willie Mitchell, and Charles Nagy. Yeah, Charles Nagy had opening day starts in 92, 93, and 97, and 98. So, again, congratulations to Corey Kluber. Again, he made two bad pitches on opening night. Unfortunately, the Indians could not muster any offense. Kind of reminded me of the postseason this past year, this or last year, uh, and lost to the Mariners 2-1. to one. But again, hey, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. I know that's a little cliche-ish, and everybody uses that. But, I mean, that indeed is the reality of the situation. It is a marathon. It is a long haul. It is not a sprint. And there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of baseball games to go. One more thing to add as we uh, get closer and closer to the NBA postseason. I mentioned on the last podcast that injuries uh, are going to play a big factor, and indeed they are. The Cavaliers seem to be getting better, although uh, here and there, and again, we just went through a Kevin Love uh, almost getting his teeth knocked out in a minor concussion. 
But Joel Embiid of the Philadelphia 76ers, a, a team that a lot of a lot of uh, pundits say could be very dangerous in the postseason and may end up meeting the Cavaliers, got hit in the eye and he's having orbital surgery. And he's going to be out at least three weeks and maybe longer. The Philadelphia 76ers not having Joel Embiid and, you know, he's had a hard time staying healthy is not going to help them at all. Of course, Kyrie Irving is out three to six weeks, three weeks at the minimum, which would put them right at the beginning of the postseason. Six weeks would put them into one or two rounds. And let me tell you, if the Boston Celtics don't have Kyrie Irving, they're going to be in trouble. And Steph Curry is out a minimum of three weeks. So, in fact, Steve Kerr has indicated that he won't be ready for the first round. But Steve Kerr also very confident that the Golden State Warriors could beat anybody even without Steph Curry. Uh, I got to tell you that, Steve. I, I don't think that's possible. I, I, I know what you're trying to do. I know you're trying to hype up your guy. But I obviously don't think that's possible at all. But again, you know, Steve Kerr is entitled to his uh, opinion. All right. Coming up in some future podcasts as we get closer to the NFL draft, we'll tell you about the Browns' best and worst. We'll refresh your memory. You might get sick when we talk about some of the bad draft picks the Browns have had. But hey, you know what? They've also had some very good first-round draft picks. Until we meet again for another edition of The Dean's Dissertation, I'm Greg Brenda, and we'll see you down the road. Subscribe, rate, and return for more with The Dean.